When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. Batman needs a team that can operate on the sly. You will be that team. I will deploy you on missions. Real missions? Yes, but covert. You'll do it on lead terms. What are we waiting for? This team is not a social club. Young Justice. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of the DCAU Review. This is, of course, episode 194. And I am Liam. With me, as he always is, is Cal. Cal, it is a five-Saturday month, and being that it is the fifth Saturday in a five-Saturday month, that means it's time to take a little trip around the multiverse. That is correct, Liam, and with uh, most of us here in the Northern Hemisphere, specifically here in the America, North America, dealing with the winter weather and uh, all that is happening uh, and coming with the the dog days of winter. That's not a saying, but the the deep, dark days of winter. Uh, as you mentioned last week, we decided we would we would do a little winter themed episode. And uh, we went back to uh, what a lot of listeners actually clamor for a lot, it seems, uh, and, and demand. So we went back to reviewing uh, the series, the beloved almost cult classic series, Young Justice. And we will be covering today the uh, the Kid Flash centric episode called Hearted. That is right. Of course, uh, as you mentioned, we've reviewed a couple episodes of Young Justice before. We, since it's an Elseworlds tale, we kind of pick and choose what we uh, we get into. There is some, and I think that may uh, affect some of. There's definitely some continuity stuff that I think. Uh, thankfully, it's not a big part of the episode that we covered because we definitely there's a there's new people that we haven't met before that are just kind of already there. So we've definitely missed some things, but <laughs> thankfully uh, the, the episode itself is pretty self-contained and uh, easy to watch. Even if you are like us are not a, uh, not a long time fan of the show or are not watching the entire show uh, in order from start to finish. So yes, as you mentioned, Cal, this is a, a review of cold hearted and we will get to our thoughts on the plot, the visuals, the music and the animation uh, as well as the voice acting uh, in just a few minutes here. But first, of course, I must grace us with the still yet to be sponsored IMDb synopsis for this week's episode. That's right. You know what? I'm just going to say, you know what? We're going to throw out a sponsor here. Sponsored by the Pod Tower. Since we're official members of the Pod Tower, okay. what? IMDb is never going to sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> the, the Pod Tower IMDb synopsis. Find us on uh, the Pod Tower on YouTube. Uh, like and subscribe and like our videos. And hey, you can uh, catch catch programming from other DCAU content creators as well. So uh, this this is a landmark episode where we're sponsored now uh, unofficially, <laughs> still unofficially, not officially sponsored, unofficially sponsored by the our, our own uh Co co partnered YouTube channel. <laughs> That's right. All right. So so this is the official IMDb synopsis for Cold Hearted, which is written by John Wiseman, directed by Victor Cook, with music by the Dynamic Music Partners, and animation by MOI Animation. And that synopsis reads as such: On his birthday, Kid Flash must deliver a transplanted heart in a race against time artificial extreme weather conditions and supervillain opposition okay that's pretty good yeah it's pretty that's a pretty solid one uh so from there cal we can uh, we can start to get into our first category which is of course plot uh this is a this is as you said a, a very kid flash centered story 
we uh, we we arrive. It is a snowy day. We find out very quickly it is Wally West's birthday. He's excited that not only does he not have to go to school because of the snow day, but he quickly finds out that uh, there's there's a meeting being or that he he's going to uh, to Mount Justice, the Young Justice headquarters, to uh, to meet up with his friends, the rest of the team. And when he gets there. Not only uh, does he first find a, a surprise birthday party, but uh, then we get we get sort of the excitement, the mission, which is uh, sort of doled out by Batman. So there's there's a lot there's a lot. They kind of move at a clip there. There's a little bit of of Wally at, at home there at first. And then he goes to the to the uh, to the Mount Justice and he has a uh, has his birthday party. I guess they by this point in the series, it's sort of been revealed to everyone on the team now now including wally that miss martian and uh and superboy are in a relationship so uh maybe from this point forward in the series kid flash stop being such a weird little creep make a wish way ahead of you (gasps) (laughs) you know if i tell you my wish it won't come true but if you guess nope guess again Happy birthday. You settling in here okay? Oh yeah, just like home. I know this is all very new and intimidating, but I promise you, someday, you'll get used to watching Wally eat. Think we should tell him? You're getting warmer, babe, but I can make you warmer still. He is the only one who doesn't know. Then please, allow me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, and that gets to, uh, as, as, we, as we say here, we'll get to, uh, get to the, the full plot here in a second. But uh, just as a, a broad speak, uh, broad strokes here. Uh, I hate Kid Flash's happiness. Insufferable <laughs> for so much of this. Every moment in this episode that he is happy, I hate him. Like, I was glad when Batman didn't didn't let him come on the fun mission. Like, I was like, just <laughs> taking down a peg. But yes, as the as the birthday party rolls on, and we see, of course, Robin and Miss Martian and Superboy and uh, Artemis, Zatanna, and Aqualad all there, as well as Red Tornado and Barry Allen, the Flash himself, all there to celebrate Wally. There is a message from Batman that there is an important mission going on, as it turns out that this snow that was affecting Wally's hometown seems to be affecting the entire United States. And uh, because it's sort of an all-hands-on-deck situation, for the first time, the team will sort of be publicly teaming up with the Justice League. Oh, well, that is the entire team, except for one, that, of course, being Kid Flash. Yeah, so uh, we'll talk about it, I guess, in some in voice acting more than likely later. But the majority of this episode takes place with an internal monologue from the Kid Flash. So he's narrating it uh, from start to uh, not narrating it. You're just literally hearing what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, from from the very beginning, he's very excited about his food. And as you mentioned, he's excited that he's going to get this. He's hoping to get his birthday kiss from Miss Martian. And then that that hope gets dashed, as you mentioned, as he is uh, is is made aware that that Superboy and Miss Martian are an item. So he's disappointed there, and it sort of sets up everything uh, for the episode where he has these expectations, he feels like he's on top of the world, and then things uh, sort of get the rug gets uh, proverbially proverbially pulled out from underneath of him. So, uh, yes, he is uh, very excited to join in with the other leaguers and team up with everybody. And uh, then, as you mentioned, Batman sets aside uh, him, in fact, to go on a special mission, which you would think, uh, being the the glory hog that he is, that he would appreciate the fact that he gets to be the sole hero in this 
this portion of the story. But uh, he, of course, being the spoiled brat that he is, is not exactly thrilled initially, going so far as to question just who it is that he's helping as Batman reveals that uh, his mission is to head to Boston and then across the United States to uh, the state of Washington to deliver a heart transplant to a girl that is uh, in desperate need of one. And with both Green Lanterns off world, I need all hands on deck. Does that mean what I think it means? The League and the team fighting side by side? Whoa, really? Now that's a birthday wish come true. Superboy, use the supercycle to rendezvous with the Batplane at Ice Fortress 1. You'll drop off Robin and Aqualad, then continue on with Wolf to meet up with Black Canary and Red Tornado at Ice Fortress 2. Miss Martian, Artemis, and Zatanna, take the bioship and rendezvous with Green Arrow and Martian Manhunter at Ice Fortress 3. Other leaguers will deal with Fortresses 4 and 5. Sending all coordinates now. Uh, Batman? I think you skipped... Kid Flash, a young girl in Seattle is in desperate need of a heart transplant. With all conventional air traffic grounded by the storm, you'll need to pick up the donor heart in Boston and run it 3,000 miles across country. No, 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 no! He can't seriously expect me to skip the first ever league team team-up! Who is this girl? Does it matter? No, of course not. But can't we Zeta? Zeta tubes are offline. Sorry. Right. Then how can I say no? Seriously, how? Guess I won't be needing stealth. Speedy delivery boy at your service. And as the uh, as the weather uh, that is being artificially created, we learn through these giant machines across the U.S. Uh, is uh, is blanketing the entire country uh, that that Kid Flash is going to have to not only battle uh, time, but also the elements. And uh, as we as we see, he sort of ends up battling a couple of additional things along the way. He makes his way up to Boston, where he has a, a rude interaction with. Uh, by the way, we we learn that this is his 16th birthday, uh, mm-hmm. yet he is openly hitting on and questioning whether or not uh, through his internal monologue, if he should ask for the number of the. Uh, adult doctor or or nurse perhaps or uh or physician's assistant that is uh, handing off the the heart to him in boston so uh yeah this this little guy he's, little creep he's uh he's something all right so uh he takes off across the u.s and of course uh just as you might suspect, things don't go quite as smoothly for him as a straight shot as uh, when he gets across the Midwest or so he encounters a familiar foe, someone that you may know by name and someone that uh, you may know visually, perhaps uh, from past episodes of this, as we mentioned, we're not doing these in order, but uh, this is a character that has been brought up on the show at some point, and that is one Vandal Savage, uh, who, of course, DCAU fans are f- quite familiar with, DC Comics fans definitely familiar with. So uh, he makes an appearance as he's roughing up some of these uh, cops that have been tasked with clearing the way for Kid Flash, uh, clearing traffic and and the, the elements that are affecting uh, on his cross-country journey. So uh, now one very important aspect of this heart delivery is that uh, he is given a limited amount of time to reach his destination. So starting in Boston, which of course is in the Northeast of the United States, he has to travel across all the way to the literal opposite point of the, uh, of the map in the Western side of the United States, the Northwest of the U S uh, that being Washington state. So uh, he's given four hours to complete his mission. And uh, when he gets to the Midwest and encounters uh, Vandal Savage, he has about an hour and a half left and uh, he decides that this is his time uh, to uh, to shine, so to speak, that he's going to defeat Vandal Savage on his own. And he begins uh, he begins sort of this attempted beat down and it, they end in sort of a stalemate that uh, basically only wastes 15 minutes or so of his time. And uh, he we, we get a flash as he sort of. Uh, running out of juice, so to speak. He ate all his snacks and he's burned a lot of calories as he's running uh, across the nation. And uh, as he arrives at, uh, at the hospital in Washington, uh, he has delivered some unfortunate news. I made it. 
I'm here. I'm... I'm sorry. You're too late. No! No! Look, I've got almost 20 minutes to spare! I know, but she passed away 12 minutes ago. 12? 12 minutes? Please, don't blame yourself. I'm sure you got here as fast as you could. Yeah, that is right. Um, so he arrives seemingly with time to spare, but he's informed by a, a doctor who sort of meets him right out in front of the hospital that, in fact, it is too late and that the uh, the girl has died just 12 minutes ago. And, of course, Wally immediately feels very guilty because, as, as mentioned, he had this 15-minute fight with Vandal Savage. And if he had kept on his journey instead of stopping, you know, he would have, uh, you know, he could have made it in time. But uh, as we quickly find out, there's something amiss with this supposed doctor as he very quickly takes the heart from Molly and sort of wraps it up in a in a coat and begins to make his way to an elevator to the parking garage as uh, Kid Flash is sort of just sort of moping in the in the lobby of the hospital and the rest of the surgical team sort of runs up to him and asks him where the heart is and uh, Kid Flash realizes that he's been had and uh, makes his way down to the to the parking garage where he finds not all, only a couple of armed uh, bad guys looking to take the heart with them, but in fact, another uh, big-time supervillain. I don't think that's one that we've uh, touched on before, but uh, I believe he had appeared in this series uh, prior, and that is, of course, Count Vertigo. And we get to... Uh, we get Actually, we have talked about him because he's in the Batman episode. I forgot. Yeah, we talked about him <laughs> with uh, with uh, director of the episode, Cal- Kevin Altieri. I think because, like, the comic book Count Vertigo is so drastically... Like, he's just... He's in this silly green costume. Right. Like, that it never clicked in my head that that was supposed to be the same guy, as, uh, even though he is also named Vertigo in that episode in Off Balance. So Yes. But yes, uh, for, so I guess for the second time here on our show, we're talking about Count Vertigo, but... We find out that, in fact, the little girl who is in need of this heart transplant is, in fact, the 10-year-old queen of this, uh, this, this country, uh, country, and that her uncle is Count Vertigo, and that if the, the little girl does not survive this transplant, that she will be dying. Her closest living relative, Count Vertigo, will, in fact, become the new king, and uh, so, of course, he wants to stop, wants to stop that from happening, and so Kid Flash has a sort of brief fisticuffs from him. He's able to sort of overcome Count Vertigo and, and his thugs and finally get the heart to the surgical team. And, uh, and then he sort of passes out and we're not quite sure if, if he's been, been successful or not. At first, it seems that he isn't, in fact, as, 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 as we see a news report, we see Wally's parents watching his Aunt Iris on, on the news who, who informs the viewers that the queen is dead and that she died on the operating table. Uh, as, as while he sort of comes to, he's being taunted by the supposed new king Vertigo, who is very proud to share that not only did Vandal was he uh, was he was Vandal Savage there specifically to slow Wally down from delivering the heart so that it might uh, better improve the chances that she wouldn't survive, but that yes, he has been working uh, for, to find different ways to uh, to murder this little girl. And uh, the way, the best thing is that he didn't actually have to lift a finger to kill her. And uh, at that point, we reveal behind just like a curtain in the same room, which I thought was really funny, <laughs> that in fact, actually the the 10-year-old, the young queen is still alive and they now have audio evidence of, uh, of her uncle claiming that he was, uh, you know, attempting to kill her. As king of Latava, I'm untouchable. Let's test that theory. <laughs> Now, now, little hero, you'll pull your stitches. Besides, who exactly are you mad at, hmm? She died on the table. All that planning, all that effort. Neither of us need have bothered. Right, and now it must kill you to know that you owe favors to Vandal Savage and, I'm guessing, five ice villains for nothing. Not at all. They played their roles in my attempt to rid Vlatova of Perdita. We couldn't know it was unnecessary. So you all still deserve credit for attempted murder? It's called regicide. It's called... You're busted, jerkface! I believe you know Queen Perdita. No. It's called regicide. Count, 
Bernard Vertigo. As Queen of Latva, I hereby accuse you of high treason against the Crown and revoke your diplomatic immunity. No! Send this clown to Bell Rev. Well played, children. Admittedly, well played. And uh, so that allows her, as the queen, to waive his former uh, diplomatic immunity that he used to get out of previous legal troubles. And, uh, and he is arrested, and, uh, and, and Wally is able to sort of uh, take a little joy in, in the fact that at the end of the day, he, he learned his lesson. We see, we see a shot of him, or we see a scene of him back in the uh in in the trophy room at the at mount justice where he and robin are sort of discussing things and he uh he puts the container that he carried the heart in on the shelf and and uh, sort of tells tell, uh, tells uh robin that this this was sort of the uh the correct item to uh to make the souvenir of this mission and that he he sort of realized that he was the luckiest guy in the world and that the best gift he could have received on this birthday wasn't necessarily action or adventure. Uh, it was, uh, it was just the fact that he was able to save this little girl's life and see her smile. So we learn a lesson as we come to, as we come to an end. <laughs> yes, we sure, sure do. Wally is certainly never going to be that little creep that craves <laughs> the spotlight anymore. Uh, just kidding. Uh, so yeah, I guess, uh, by the way, I don't think I said it in the intro, but this episode, uh, we're coming up on the 10 year anniversary of this episode. And I think in some ways, uh, characters like this that are just grotesquely uh, over the top toxic masculinity like uh mm. it, it uh, hopefully we've made it to the point where those guys if they're in in animation or they're in shows like this uh that they're they're the ones that are made fun of uh obviously in this <laughs> in this case uh kid flash <laughs> kid flash does not not get rewarded very much for his for his toxic masculinity but he's also uh not really uh, doesn't really learn too many lessons it seems from from the way that he talks to women or the way that he <laughs> thinks generally thinks about women so um that's something that's changed hopefully in the maybe perhaps in the last 10 years of what we might see but uh let me kick my soap soap box out of the way <laughs> um it's, i would say i think as i mentioned we have a majority of this episode that is narrated by an internal monologue and my issue with that, especially with the particular voice performance, when we'll talk about this later on, is, is that at times it feels very much like I am watching somebody else play a video game, like it ventures almost into the video game territory where the exposition and narration that is being done internally uh, comes off as if you, you know, it's just that, that classic video game narration. And by the end of this episode, I was almost actively rooting against Wally to lose <laughs> uh, just because he's unlikable. So that's mm. that's something I will say I do. There were elements that I did like. I liked that they kept cutting to the battle that was happening above Wally, uh, letting you know that that wasn't just a plot device to get Wally on this mission. Uh, so we did get get some some really exciting action scenes that were there were in the skies that we can talk about certainly in visuals in a moment but um i like that that paralleled i like that there was a little twist in that thinking that it was a double twist sort of you think mm. that wally is unsuccessful and that was that was one twist and then we get the the twist that actually she is she is still alive and then we get the twist at the end of course where uh she's dead they announce that she's dead and then we find out she actually is alive again so mm -hmm. um you know you get that back and forth and almost tugging on your heartstrings type type thought i felt like it was you could see it coming from a mile away though that they were blackmailing or or sort of uh luring count vertigo into this false sense of security in order to expose him uh because i believe you mentioned his diplomatic immunity was hinged on the fact that he could not be proven to do anything uh, illegal to attempt to ascend to the throne essentially and then obviously is out here openly taunting uh kid flash that he had done such and that he had attempted to to kill the kill the queen so um yeah it's a fine episode i think 
we'll talk about what I think is best next in, in our order here, but it's fine. I think the twists and at the end sort of saved it uh, from being just a, a somewhat annoying episode. So I ended up with a, with a, with an okay six out of 10. Very good there. Uh, mine's a little bit lower. I went four out of 10. Um, there's some things here that I have one. I didn't particularly care for the, they do. I feel like it's the same twist twice. Sure. Like you tell you two different times that she's dead and she's not dead. So I, I was like, all right, but uh, that's the bigger twist. She's I, dead, sure. but she's not, but she's dead. Sure. She's not. <laughs> My other thought is like at the beginning of the episode, Batman tells him a girl is in desperate need of a heart transplant and Wally very, you know, huffy puff. As you said, he's huffing and puffing and complaining a lot even in his inner monologue and directly to Batman. He goes, who is this girl? And Batman said, does it matter? And Wally says, no, you're right. It doesn't, which I think is, which I thought at the time was like a really great moment because I thought the lesson was going to be, there is, you know, whether you are saving, whether you are fighting robots or weather machines or saving the life of one single child, you're still a hero. And like, and these, and these things are not, one is not more important than the other. Sure. Um, But But it's not, it's, but it's not, she's the queen of a country (laughs) and her uncle is a supervillain and another supervillain teams up with her supervillain uncle to slow him down like sure. there's there's i guess that's the other little swerve is vandal savage mentions that he uh is was was expecting the real flash and that he and the flash had, had some sort of run-in previously and that this was supposed to be revenge but then later it turns out actually oh vandal savage uh through i guess his association with count vertigo in the injustice gang is uh is was uh was helping him out to slow down the heart transplant so like I feel like that that lesson gets muddied a little bit because it wasn't just a girl needed a heart transplant. It was the queen of a country that if she had died, a supervillain would have controlled a country. Like <laughs> that to me is like that kind of flies in the face of what was said earlier. And yeah, I also just feel like I feel like if the and I also think if the girl had died for real, if they had really actually had the girl died. I'm not, I'm not advocating for this, but if they had done that and Wally had done something like really irresponsible on the way, I feel like it would have made more sense. But as it stands, he went straight to it. He stopped because he saw Vandal Savage brutalizing a bunch of police officers. Mm-hmm. Like he saw a supervillain, like a world famous supervillain. He didn't stop to like play video games or eat fast food or anything or you know or see a movie or something like he didn't like so I didn't feel like he because I feel like the lesson is supposed to be like it's responsibility and there's no job too small and we're all you know all these people are heroes in their own way sure but I feel like it's muddy because like if 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 in fact he had failed to get there in time for real he didn't I don't feel like he did like it's not his fault right so so I feel like that would have also that also kind of muddied things where he's like he feels like oh if i had if i had just come a few minutes sooner it's like well you were fighting a supervillain who was threatening to kill a bunch of people like yeah but he i think his motive i think the whole point of that like i see what you're saying but i feel like the motivation his motivation for stopping the supervillain at that point based on what we know from the internal monologue was about being a glory hog and sort of getting like getting some action that he felt like he was missing out on by not being allowed in on the Mm -hmm. main mission. So he's like, Oh, well, you know, this isn't as exciting. So I'm going to get some real excitement here. So yes, you're right. Like he was stopping a supervillain that was holding another guy by the throat, but in the long run, his choice to try to not just run away immediately, which he didn't stop him. He just literally, he stopped him from killing the guy, but that for all he knows, Vandal Savage just chased after the police officers and killed all of them again. Like he literally just turned his back and ran in the opposite direction after he realized he wasn't really having much of an effect against him. So I, I I see what you're saying, but I do think the, his it's, it would have been his fault based on the fact or not, 
not would have been his fault, but his motives for, for fighting Vandal Savage in those moments would have probably haunted him. It wasn't an innocent stop to do, you know, to do good. It was motivated by wanting glory mm-hmm. and wanting to get in on something he felt was more, you know, more action heavy than his little trip to, you know, to, to Washington, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I, I guess my thought is like, but also, but my my only counter to that is also that like Savage came to him directly, like like he it didn't like it's not like he heard about Vandal Savage and he like diverted from his route to go uh you know to go stop Vandal Savage who was like robbing a bank in in the middle of this of a city or something. So I don't know. Like I just think I I, I understand. I, I do think what you're saying is right. It's more about how his attitude towards the mission than about his actual physical actions. I, I think that's a fair point. And uh, I like, I, I feel very out to lunch on a lot of this young justice stuff we've reviewed so far. Like I haven't hated any of it. I, I feel like maybe I'm being super negative on this from a plot standpoint, but I do have good things to say about this, but yeah, overall um, just like I said, I don't, I don't find the character of kid flash particularly likable. And this was a very kid flash heavy episode. And I, I thought they got maybe a little too cute with the double death fake out. And then, and then, like I said, I thought maybe there should have been like a more overtly selfish thing that Wally did that caused a delay for him or something. So sure. that's fair. Again, this is all this is all personal personal preference, and uh, we of course always invite you to uh, to reach out to us on our social medias uh, to discuss what you think uh, of this. So uh, yes, I believe a six for you and a four from me for plot. Not a huge difference there, but that will move us on to our second category of the day, which of course is animation and visuals. And uh, I think between the, the snowy atmosphere, a lot of really good work put in, I think by the background designers on this team on, uh, on this episode, but uh, between the uh, between kid flash and the bright red and yellow running against the sort of the, the kind of foggy uh, whites and grays of the snow. And then you also have, as you mentioned, Cal, cutting away to a bunch of different these sort of snippets of these big battles with a ton of uh, of different superheroes including our our winter themed gear for all of the uh, the young justice characters the polar well. stealth suits that's right i, I do question the lead by not leaving <laughs> off with that thing man like i do question why they were still wearing the stealth suits when they're working with aquaman and the flash who are in like bright orange and green and <laughs> uh, and red coloring well, it doesn't feel like it's don't... stealth at that point but i think maybe they have something maybe something uh has evolved in their skin because they're you know they're in the deep dark heart of the ocean where it's generally pretty cold mm-hmm. so maybe something has evolved they've evolved in some way or or they have some sort of superpower that makes them impervious to to various that's why they can go shirtless everywhere mm-hmm. they just don't they don't succumb <laughs> to the the elements like the other people do <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah my uh my again i don't i don't quite understand why they why they kept the stealth part of it if uh, but maybe that's just the name of it <laughs> oh there. the was, stealth part yes maybe it's, part. <laughs> well that's well that's uh, like it's fine if you just said it was winter gear i'd be fine but they specifically say it's stealth gear but this is not this is decidedly not a stealth mission Correct. that's kind of the whole point is that the team for the first time isn't being sort of sent out on a covert mission they're being sent out to work like arm in arm, hand in hand with, with the, you know, the, the, the full justice league on this mission. So, but Hey, despite my, my little nitpicking there, my annoying nitpicking, those suits look pretty darn cool. They are awesome. This is one of the things that I feel like a lot of times doesn't make sense in cartoons, especially superhero cartoons. Uh, occasionally you'd have some sort of, uh, you know, adjustment where Batman and Batman, the animated series may wear a parka or something like that. But one of the things that I remember most egregious things, although I guess he was taken against his will, but in the, in the, in the racial goal episode, uh, I remember Robin running around with short sleeves and, uh, you know, honestly, one of the things that I really enjoyed about, uh, one of the small details that I thought that, uh, that Jordan Gibson did on the latest Batman, the adventures continue a little mini Christmas 
story and tis the season to be freezing was giving Robin long sleeves. Like <laughs> it's cold outside superheroes get cold too. So wouldn't it make sense that they wear some sort of, you know, extra suited protection to, to keep themselves warm, not just like the, the bat thermal underpants from, you know, this <laughs> Batman 66, like there has to be a visual, this gives you the opportunity and I get it. There's an investment in changing up character models and all of that stuff, but it feels like for designers, this is just like Christmas morning here. You're, you get to design all of these very unique suits and different looks for different characters. And uh, I think they stand out very well. I thought Robbins was, was pretty awesome. He gets a bit of a face covering for his and uh, there's parka hoods and uh, it's, it's, it's just a visual smorgasbord as we like to say here, it's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's not just the young justice that gets to gets them either. You get some of the, uh, the justice leaguers also black canary gets her own uh, gets her own parka as well. I think I saw red tornado sporting some sort of uh, <laughs> polar gear too, which makes no sense being as thing as that he's a robot, but uh, John Jones gets his uh, some long sleeves added to his suit also. So yeah, it was, it's one of those things where they took advantage of this episode being uh, in a, in a tundra like state to say, Hey, we're going to have some fun. We're going to give a visual update to our characters that makes sense and grounds this in a little bit more reality i don't understand why kid flash running through the snow didn't need this suit also unless you know he i was there a throwaway line that he said it was going to slow him down or something like that but uh i thought that he was going to run uh, like the the snow wasn't covering the whole u.s or something like that he was going <laughs> to run to some place where there was going to be uh, melted snow but he literally runs through snow the entire episode so what for whatever reason he didn't need his suit to i guess the, the stealth part he wasn't being stealthed, right so. he specifically turns it off because he says he won't he won't be needing the stealth right yeah there you go so there you go yeah that's honestly i think that c- coupled with the winter elements and certainly the snow um you know this whole episode it's like like we said when we're when we're first recording this episode who am i kidding it's live every time you press play but when we're first debuting this episode it's frigid cold the northeast is scheduled to get a giant like bunch of snow this weekend so it's it it felt right it felt right with the characters on the screen also battling uh villains in the snow and uh it's usually it's coupled with uh some of those characters that batman goes and tries to uh, shake down Hugo Strange at the end about, you know, whether it's Icicle or Mr. Freeze or Captain Cold. Uh, those are the villains that are responsible and you get maybe a, a little area that's that's winterized or maybe one city, but mm. for the entire country to be blanketed in snow. And it's not really one of those villains that we're aware of that is responsible for these, these giant weather machines uh, made this episode feel unique because of that. But I think, uh, I think overall, uh, the visual standouts were probably that uh, th- those suits and stuff like that. But there was there was some good fight scenes. Also, I did feel like the the scene, despite not liking the characters too much, uh, the scene between Kid Flash and Vertigo and Vertigo's goons in the, the mm-hmm. hospital parking lot uh, was pretty great. I like when he finally uh, overcomes Vertigo and is able to to get out of the uh, his sort of Vertigo warp uh, and attack him. He sort of does this. Thing where he slot he throws the backpack that has the heart slides it under this uh, sheet of melted ice underneath a couple cars and then he runs and slides after it i thought that was pretty awesome mm-hmm. um, i will say there was a visual gaff that had me deduct a point for this and that occurs in the final scene that we mentioned uh or the next the last scene in the hospital kid flash wakes up in his hospital bed not wearing his gloves and he's got bandages on his head and for some reason uh he has stitches i don't know where or why he got stitches but he has stitches um and uh he's not wearing gloves and then uh, he gets out of the bed to reveal that uh he's you know this was a trap for vertigo and all of a sudden he's got his gloves back on and then the next very next second uh they cut and he does his gloves off again so a little nod or homage to the super friends era (laughs) of uh of cartoon making here uh, because uh that that stood out to me i caught that very quickly there but uh, i think the rest of it is fun i think the action sequences on those weather machines 
scenes are great. Like I said, they cut and they break up the the sort of monotony that might be of a of a single character running across with a blurred background, giving you internal monologue with these action scenes. There's a there's a really awesome part where Superboy picks up this gun uh, that's firing and uh, he disables it, pulls it right off of the the uh, the the surface of this vehicle hurls it into the air towards a red tornado who is uh, who's spinning around. It hits him and he hurls it back down towards the, uh, the other gun that's on the, the surface of this thing. I thought that was a great sequence mm-hmm. there. Uh, really neat looking. There's an, there's another moment as, as they're going in their separate directions at the start of the mission also where they're uh, riding this giant motor bike thing that flies also the super bike the super bike is so right cool. out of the yeah it's right out of the uh it's a little different design but in the uh that's right out of the original uh, young justice comic it was a i think it was an apocalyptian device or, or vehicle that they get uh that they they fly out on really cool i think it's really awesome uh, yeah it's a cool it's a cool inclusion and yeah i love that design and yeah it's a, it's a cool uh nod to the uh to the source material as well there you go yeah so uh yeah overall i think uh, that the brief fight scene that does occur between kid flash and and vandal savage i thought was done well also uh, visually this is a very very smooth running episode uh, there was a lot of action that occurred in those little beats there that i think honestly didn't make it feel like a a monotonous episode of just one character running. I I felt like it was done really well, paced really well. I think the the tension was certainly uh, kicked up a notch as, as you have the him constantly kind of looking at the watch and you get the countdown as you know, that the heart only has a little bit left. And um, you know, so, so I, I think that that was all done very well. And I think this was a very strong episode visually. So for those reasons, uh, and I think almost solely because of those awesome polar cell suits, uh, stealth suits, <laughs> I ended up giving animation visuals a very, very strong nine out of 10. Nice. Yeah. I was, uh, I was just one point lower on my score, eight out of 10. Uh, a lot of the big moments I think you've covered of what I liked. I, I really like that Vandal Savage design. Mm. um i think it's it's interesting because uh i like i never had an issue with the with the justice league or the dcau design but you really get the more of the caveman feel from Mm -hmm. from this version like they definitely leaned into that more and he has these kind of real thick he also kind of has like he just looks like a man like out of time which of course makes sense but he's he's got like this very like sort of victorian like outfit like this very long coat that he's wearing and then he has these big thick like 1860s mutton chops yep and the longer swoop back here and then he has again the the kind of the giant forehead like the krog magni and uh a forehead there which you know you see the the cultured uh the cultured caveman sort of vibe that they go for i really like that design and he feels really when he shows up and and wally uh is is in combat with him pretty quickly it does feel like this is a really big threat and yeah and, he carries uh, he's a very heavy looking character mm-hmm. and they do their best both with the sound design and i think the the voice actor uh that we'll talk about in a little bit uh all of that combines to make this character feel much more like a physical imposing threat than you would be you know juxtaposition against the the dcau version of <laughs> of vandal savage who is certainly a more refined educated cerebral type villain um Mm -hmm. so i like that it's a different version of that character and it has its roots sort of in that in that character i think i i think also uh talking about the the design of count vertigo as well where vertigo uh is it you he's sort of directly based off more off of that look that we've seen in the DCAU than perhaps his original comic book appearances where uh, he, he was a bit more visually different. This one, uh, he doesn't have the eye patch thing that it was in the DCAU, but he certainly has the, the blonde slicked back hair and uh, he has the Cape and uh, he visually, I felt like looked a little bit, closer to that there's a green there's green to in his costume also so Mm -hmm. um, i thought visually he looked a little bit closer to a to a homage to that dcau look rather than perhaps his original uh, appearance in the comics if i'm not mistaken yeah absolutely yeah definitely definitely a a very uh, very pretty close uh homage like a lot of these young justice costumes i think 
um, like the Kid Flash costume, for instance, very very similar to the the comic book look, just sort of adapted into this style. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think overall, like we said, very very strong visual episode, and uh, without a doubt, I think the strongest part of this episode. And that will, speaking of which, move us on to our next category, Cal, which is music. We do have uh, some familiar names there as we have the dynamic music partners, uh, all three doing the, the music for this week. I don't have a ton to say about music. I will say I noticed it. I always noticed with Young Justice that there, there's just a lot of time where there isn't music, like or that the music is very, very low or very in the background. Uh, as you said, a lot of this episode is is Kid Flash's inner monologue. And when he is speaking in that monologue, he kind of has this ethereal, echoey tone to his thing. And you don't really hear music there. So it's really only when either we're cutting to the the team and the Justice League doing doing the kind of the 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 big uh, adventure with the the weather machines, and then kind of when Wally has these direct moments of conflict with the with the two different supervillains, I feel like I feel like that's the moment. I feel like as as we sort of already talked about when uh, when Vandal Savage shows up, there gets this real echoey sort of ethereal. It's still very slow and sort of uh, plodding, but that kind of I think gives some uh, some credence to what you said about it feeling like a very weighty character. He feels like a big imposing threat, and there's this real ominous sort of tone to the music when he when he shows up. Yeah, uh, th- I think that's a highlight. I think, uh, as you said, the initial <laughs> initial moment too, where we realize that, uh, or when when Wally believes he meets this what he believes to be a doctor at the front door, and uh, he gets the news broken to him that he believes that the the girl has died. Uh, there's also you know there's a bit of a letdown there, and there's music that accompanies that that comes in that really you know initially gives you that sort of tragic feel, and then as he's sort of sitting there in the, in the, uh, the hospital lobby and watching the news and uh, the doctors come up to him and he realizes that he's been duped. The music sort of comes back in as it sort of frantically realizes that he needs to, he needs to get a hold of this person that took the heart from him. So uh, that I, and I, and then I think when he wakes up or, and they cut to his parents watching the, watching the, uh, the news. And then they announce again that she's dead. And that's, you know, that the music sort of mm-hmm. has that more somber tone uh, only for it to kind of kick back in again at the end. And uh, as he and he and Robin are sort of uh, summing everything up and, and him sort of uh, explaining to Robin the lesson that he's learned through this process, uh, there's sort of a, you know, almost not quite like an 80s sitcom feel. It's a, it's a, that's the feeling, but not quite like an 80s sitcom, like, all is well with the family all <laughs> end to it, but it's, there's, there's some music there that sort of gives you that same, that same sort of feeling there. So, um, you know, overall, I, this music, this show is not one that, that relies too heavily on the music. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of synthesizers and, and mood setting music per se. Uh, so, you know, it's, they do well, what's asked of them. Obviously the dynamic music partners are, are, you know, some three really legendarily good uh, artists that, that create, have created a lot of music for the, for DC animation and much more. So we know that the, the pieces that they wrote are, are what were asked of them. Uh, I just don't think that for the episode itself, there was anything that necessarily stood out other than maybe a couple of those action beats. Uh, so for all those reasons, I ended up giving music five out of 10. Yeah, I went just a tick higher. I went six out of 10. Like I said, I think the the sort of uh, ethereal tones and sort of the really echoey, somber nature of not only the, the Vandal Savage fight, but then those sort of quieter moments when he appears to have failed and then um when uh, when count vertigo sort of shows up right at the end there i i, I liked that uh, as well so yeah nothing uh, nothing spectacular but another another good week of uh, of work of course from the uh from the three dynamic music partners and uh that will bring us to our final category for this week and uh, it's a big one because there's like 400 people who <laughs> voice act on the show. Thankfully, there's only a few that we really have to talk about, but I will run through the, uh, the full voice cast here. Uh, briefly on our, uh, on our young here on the side of our young heroes, we do have uh, briefly Lacey Chabert as Zatanna, Stephanie Lamellon as Artemis, Danica McKellar as Miss Marchin. Uh, Kari Payton is credited as Aqualad in this episode, but I don't think he has any actual lines um but uh, lots of grunts he grunts yes. a couple. 
but he is uh, he is in there at some point. Uh, we also have uh, let me see here uh, Nicole Dubuc as uh, as Iris West Allen, who uh, I'll note was actually a, a regular writer on the series, and I think is still writing for the series now. So well, that's cool. A fun, fun little way to sneak in a, a cameo there. But uh, uh, as far as some of our other actors, we do briefly have Adrian Pazdar as uh, Hugo Strange, who folks would probably know best as. Uh, uh, one of the leads on the television show Heroes, if you ah. are familiar with uh, Nathan Petrelli on that show, okay. uh, that is uh, that is that gentleman. Uh, only briefly, as uh, that's sort of a, as we said, sort of a, a continuity plot point that I'm sure will be picked up later in this season. But fun to note there. We do briefly have Cree uh, Summer. I believe uh, she plays both uh, Wally's mom and the the doctor that Wally uh, Wally is a creep to. <laughs> um, so we have uh we have a familiar voice there we have a uh, briefly bruce greenwood as batman uh and then uh ariel winter who folks would know as one of the daughters on modern family uh playing que- uh, queen perdita on the sh- on uh, on there only briefly but she does get a couple lines there so a lot of like familiar television <laughs> television actors that only got one or two lines in this episode but uh yeah and then uh, sort of the actual sort of main uh, meat and potatoes here. Also, uh, Jesse McCartney's Robin, of course. But we have, uh, as far as the, the main ones here, we, we sort of talked about his uh, imposing uh, imposing figure. And I think the voice is a big part of it uh, played into that as well. So we have Miguel Ferrer as uh, or Ferrer. I'm probably butchering that. I apologize. Uh, playing Vandal Savage. Folks might know him uh, from RoboCop or Crossing Jordan. But again, I think really like a really good voice to pair with that that sort of hulking design of uh, Vandal Savage. Yeah, I, I think it, it fits well. And I think, you know, we mentioned it. This is a very different version of that of that character uh, as far as visually concerned. So, yeah, it, it leads back to that sort of, um, as you mentioned, that sort of that caveman-esque looking character design and the heaviness of the character, a very hulking type design. So you have to have a, a deep, intimidating voice to go with it. And uh, I would say that uh, he does he does a very uh, great job as far as communicating that and the the way that he uh, delivers his lines. I feel like his, his back and forth with Wally is great. Um, I feel like he, he definitely plays a bigger part in this series and episodes we haven't reviewed just yet. So be interested to, to hear him sort of lead a, an episode and have more dialogue that uh, sort of is outside of a, a one-on-one battle scene like this. But uh, yeah, I think for, for what he does on the episode, really, really good. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of super villains, we have Steve Bloom playing count vertigo uh folks would probably best know him as the voice of wolverine in about three million different uh, <laughs> video games and cartoons and other other places um but uh, pro- yeah probably uh, probably most famous for his marvel role but uh you know he's doing like you know he's he's got that very uh you know sinister eastern european uh, uh bad guy going on you know yeah he definitely is and uh it's a European accent, that's for sure. Uh, it, pretty indistinct, indistinguishable accent of what specific Eastern European country. Just you could just say it's any of them, and you'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they sound like. But uh, yeah, it's it's a stereotypical Eastern European accent was called for. Um, you know, I I don't know that it was a performance that was would be winning any awards in my book, but. If mm-hmm. that's what was asked, he did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there. I I think that uh, that's a pretty good way of, of settling it up. He's he's good. He's very much a, a very mustache twirling, very overt, uh, sinister bad guy. And I think he I think he plays that well. And then of course we have our our lead of this episode, really, and really the one who, as you mentioned, gets a lot a lot of work to do in this episode. It's not only is the episode mostly focused on him, but he's got that inner monologue that sort of narrates the whole episode. So we have Jason Spizak as uh, Kid Flash slash Wally West. And uh, look, I, I think my issues are more are not with his performance. It's just that I don't like this character. And <laughs> and uh, I find him I find him a little annoying. Like, I don't think that any of the lines were delivered particularly badly, but 
kind of like what you were saying earlier. I think he's supposed to be coming off as like cocky and charming and oh, what a rebel. But he's really just like, God, this guy's just annoying and kind of a sex pest. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, I, I, I go back to what I said at the very beginning. This feels a lot like he's narrating my time playing as a character in a video game. <laughs> uh, again, that's not his fault. That's how the story was written. Uh, but his voice would not be alien to me in a, in a video game. So um, take that for what you will. Uh, I, I don't love the character and I don't love the voice necessarily. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's fine. Um, but uh, I, and I don't think that the performance is bad. It's just not my cup of tea. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't blame a lot of this on him because again, this is the, this is the character that's designed. And you said maybe it's also that we're looking, looking through and listening to this and uh, in, in a later time than it was originally created. And that obviously can affect things as well, but yeah, it's not, I don't think it's Mr. Spazek's fault. I think there's, I think there are some parts. I think when he, again, when he's sort of dealing with that initial shock, when he thinks that he's too late and that the girl has died or, that that I think he does, you know, do do some good work there. But yeah, a lot of this is just him either complaining or or being a creep. So <laughs> thumbs down to those parts of it. Um, overall, I ended up settling on a five out of ten for voice acting. I don't, like I said, I don't think anyone's terrible, but I don't particularly think anyone's uh, great in this one either. Yep, I gave it the exact same score for the exact same reason. Five out of ten. Well, there you go. Uh, I believe that will begin to wrap us up and we need to tally up our final scores right here and uh, adding everything together, Cal, it looks like I have arrived at a final score of 23 out of 40. And uh, despite uh, disagreeing on a couple of, of these scores, uh, I wasn't that that far off. Uh, I ended up being in a score. <laughs> oh, say. Despite uh, disagreeing on a couple of these scores, I ended up being not too far off there uh, as I ended up giving it a 25 out of 40. Well, there you go. Uh, I guess as we can we can touch on rewatchability. It's a little weirder to do it when it's not a, a DCAU proper show because the show didn't have a million spinoffs that you have to decide if it uh, plays into this or not. If you're, sure. watch, if you're watching Young Justice, you're probably... Uh, you know, you should probably watch it straight through if you want to get like a full understanding. As we said, there's definitely character elements with like Zatanna or as we mentioned, Hugo Strange and, and some of the villains and stuff that's uh, mentioned. So I don't know if this is this would not be one if you were if if someone was just asking you like, hey, give me like three episodes of Young Justice to watch to see if I like it. This probably wouldn't be on that list, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it seems like these episodes do follow some sort of connected, as you mentioned at the start, there are new characters here introduced. We have Zatanna, who was not here previously. We have Artemis, who we knew was coming, but was, you know, was not featured in the episodes that we reviewed pr uh, prior. Uh, but which, by the way, you can check out in the archives at DCAUreview.com if you want to listen to our prior reviews of Young Justice. But um, yeah, I, I would say that there certainly are some threads here that seem to be connected to the rest here. We we sort of have that scene at the end where Batman uh, interrogates Hugo Strange at the uh, who is in charge of this prison uh, at this time in the, in the in the show as to who might have been responsible. And there's this sort of mystery that is, you know, all of the the supposed winterized villains are are were all under watch uh, at the at the prison at that time. So it, they claim it couldn't have been them. So there's this mystery in the air as to who that was specifically and who was behind it and what uh, what Vertigo and 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 ultimately Vandal Savage's connection was and what what it will continue to be um and the plot points of kid flash kind of getting his heart broken uh by miss martian and and superboy moving forward <laughs> with their romantic uh entanglement so yeah there there are plot threads here that feel very important and certainly set up for for further ones so i 
not having seen this series as a whole, I'm going to go ahead and give it the old uh, pansy out one thumbs up (laughs) Uh, and say that it is probably vital to the rest of the story uh, in some form or fashion, but not having known uh, or not, not really knowing what the rest of the series uh, direction goes. It's uh, you know, it's hard to say whether or not how pivotal this is exactly. So uh, maybe just watch it for the cool snow and polar stealth suits how about that <laughs> there is there absolutely is some great action this is an action figure creators dream here <laughs> you literally created an episode to that could have sold an entire line of action figures man what mm-hmm. a what a missed opportunity <laughs> yes absolutely I, there definitely are some some great visuals that are probably worth seeing so unbridled yeah, capitalism took a big l on yeah, that's uh, that's that's a fair point there. There's definitely there's definitely merch money left on the left on the table here with these stealth these polar stealth suits. There you go. But uh, yes, uh, all right, Cal. That will begin to wrap us up. Thank you everybody for listening to us this week. Uh, as as Cal said, we get a lot of uh, anytime that we do an Elseworlds and we and we do a Young Justice, we always get a lot of excitement from uh, from people who love this show and. And uh, it holds just as special a place in their heart as, as the main shows that we review our, our other weeks. Um, so I, it's always fun to see people's different memories of that. And if you want to reach out to us, let us know what you thought of this episode or, or Young Justice as a whole. You can always reach out to us at DCAU Review on Twitter or on Instagram. Both places, it's the same username at DCAU Review. Uh, leave us a comment or, or tweet us. Let us know what you thought of this episode, what you think of this series. Uh, yeah, are we wrong? Is is Kid Flash super likable if you watch the whole series? Because I got to tell you, <laughs> dropping in on this like bird's eye view that we've been doing, he's he's I I do not like this guy. So uh, <laughs> I would I would love for you and not in a not in a debate me debate me bro way, but in a uh, if 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 I'm just if I'm not giving if I'm not giving Wally a, a fair shot here, let me let me know about that, and I'll uh, we'll uh, we'll take it under consideration moving forward. But uh, yeah, I, I think other than that, it's uh, it's been already the end of January here, and uh, before we wrap up here, Cal, we got to look forward to what we'll be doing next month. That's right. We are of course headed back, Liam, to the very sunny skies of metropolis that's right it's a superman month coming up for the month of february the man of steel uh it's been a little bit since we've talked about him uh as we've mentioned a couple of times transparency we only have a few episodes left of superman the animated series that we haven't uh yet reviewed so uh we'll be we'll be reviewing a couple of those we might uh we might have some surprises on the horizon also about some things that we'll cover but uh Regardless, I think it's only fitting with your birthday coming up that we celebrated an entire month uh, of, of the Man of Steel, your favorite superhero, just right after uh, we celebrate you being born. Absolutely. Can't wait to talk about the Man of Steel next week. And we want to once again thank everybody for listening, whether you do so on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on the Pod Tower YouTube channel. We appreciate you subscribing and leaving us a review if that is an option on your particular app of choice. Uh, But until next week, I am Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.